Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist, and this is a podcast to support your healing journey. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Living Open podcast. Today's episode is called Queer Quilting with Grace Rother. Grace uses they them pronouns. They are an artist, a quilt maker, and a writer. Their work falls under the broad canopy of women's work, in quotes, and they are intentionally digging into what it means to look at that work through a queer, non-binary lens. They're self-taught and often work in unconventional methods and reclaimed materials to achieve pieces that represent their experiences and interests as a German-American Midwestern lesbian. But sometimes, too, they just make socks because they have cold feet. I also have cold feet. I don't know how to make socks, but maybe I will learn someday. Um, I have gotten really into quilting last year, 2022, (laughs) and um, I started reading Grace's Substack newsletter, and it's really lovely and gorgeous, and um, I wanted to have Grace on to talk about queer quilting and creativity and writing I finished my first quilt, as you will hear me say in this episode, and I'm working on my next, and I have lots of ideas for other quilts, and it feels like a really fun, beautiful way to, um, yeah, pour my creativity into something that is other than writing, which I also love, but that is more visual and tactile, and is also connected to Um, my family, to my aunt, to my grandmother, to her mother, to people who have sewed and quilted in my family. So I'm really having the best time quilting and I want to share some of that joy with you in this conversation with Grace. Um, There's a brief Chi Chi Bean, my cat, cameo that I did not edit out, so please enjoy. (laughs) And um, I also wanted to say that I am putting together a list of guests we're gonna have on the show this year and if there's someone that you would like to recommend that I reach out to or introduce me to that you think would be a great fit specifically a lot of the conversations this year I'm hoping and planning to be around creativity um, queerness writing bodies somatics those kinds of things play Um, so if there's anyone who comes to mind for some of those topics, please let me know. I would love to be introduced to the people that you love who are talking about that, or if that's you, um, also reach out. I would love to hear from you. Okay, so in this episode, we talk about Grace's journey with creativity and quilting and writing, getting into quilting, family histories of quilting, making wonky weird quilts, <laughs> working with reclaimed and recycled fabrics, queerness and quilting, what it means to do women's work through a queer non-binary lens, homemaking without heteronormative gender roles, Grace's connection to their German ancestry, queer culture and how we create it by living it, Grace's writing practice, and telling stories with words and textiles. This is also making me think about the most recent edition of Joy Notes that I sent out, and it's a little mini creative reset, some questions to support your creative practice this year, and I'll link to it in the description for you to check out. But in that piece, I also shared um, my sort of creative intentions 
coming into this new year and you know maybe you have some maybe you don't i'm a big fan of intentions that are loose and held with gentle hands um and able to evolve and flow but mine are mainly to finish at least the first draft of my novel feels very possible i'm around thirty thousand words right now um and to continue my quilting practice no set number of quilts i want to make no I mean, there's some general set number of words, you know, like 50 to 80,000 words on the novel, but also a loose goal. Um, yeah, so I would love to hear if you feel like sharing on Instagram um, at eryj underscore or actually most likely comment on Substack because I'm on Instagram about 15 to 10 to 15 minutes a week now so not spending much time there at all um, but I would love to hear from you I would love to hear about any creative or otherwise intentions that you have um, for this year so I'll link to that in the description please share read the piece subscribe um, there's a free tier of subscription and there's also a paid tier and I would invite you to um, join a tier that feels accessible, but I think it's really lovely when we're able to um, yeah, give support to independent artists and independent art and writing. So if that's within your means, please do join at a um, paid subscription. A couple of the pieces that came out recently besides that creative reset were transformational pain and the pain that keeps us stuck grief sisterships and choosing aliveness the next thing leads to the next thing on in process creative lessons and devotion to creative transformation letting ourselves be changed and transformed by what we are devoted to and some musings on creative process we also have some cool um joy notes additions coming up i um, put out a question form and a poll. You can find that in the most recent um, piece linked below as well. Um, but asking like what folks would want me to write about. Do people have any questions, topics, suggestions, all of that. And someone wrote um, an ask to write about connecting to and getting into your body when your body can feel like a strange or unkind place. Like for this person in particular, dysphoria makes it a struggle. Um, so yeah, we're going to be talking about bodies. Um, my partner, I think, is going to contribute in little interview style to those questions about dysphoria specifically. Um, yeah, there's a lot of writing I'm excited to, to share with you this year. So um, all that to say, come check it out. And Grace also has a lovely substack that I really get excited to see in my inbox. And all that stuff is linked in the description as well. Okay, please enjoy this conversation on queer quilting. I hope it offers some moments of reflection, of curiosity, of inspiration. Um, and who knows, maybe you'll be inspired to start your first quilt if you have never made one before. So I always like to just start the show by hearing about your journey. And for you in particular, I would love to hear about your journey with quilting, with writing, with your creativity in general. And I'm so curious about all of that. So I'd love to hear um, about that and how it brought you to this moment and what you're up to now. Okay, sounds good. Um, well, I was really lucky to grow up in a family that appreciated creativity and encouraged it. So my grandfather was a painter and I spent a lot of time with him painting and um, talking about art and 
being into art and um, making things. And he was always a big supporter of anything I was doing. Um, so that was sort of like how I got launched in that direction. <laughs> but I've always been really interested in creative stuff. Like as a kid, I drew a lot um, all the time. And I wrote a lot as a kid. I wrote a lot of stories and um, recorded my life a great deal <laughs> in detail. Um, and then as I got older, um, that has remained a constant in my life. Um, I started making quilts in high school. I just saw my high school boyfriend, actually, uh, <laughs> I was back in Michigan. <laughs> we were reminiscing and I was like, oh, you had this like really beautiful quilt on your bed that your grandma made and he was like yeah I still have it <laughs> so I was always drawn to textiles and um I've always just found them fascinating uh because they're such a human made thing um yeah so I started making quilts in high school just for fun um and then when I was about 20 I had been living in a cooperative housing situation and I moved out into a house with some friends and my partner at the time. And we were just like, so broke, we had no money. And we really wanted, we were like combining, you know, our lives for the first time outside of uh, living at home, but didn't really have a lot of bedding. And we're trying to figure out how to like make our, our like relationship bedding. <laughs> and uh, we wound up making two quilts, like a summer quilt and a winter quilt. Um, the winter quilt had a wool blanket inside of it. Uh, that's the difference. <laughs> and, um, I, I was hooked, uh, at that point. So it started out as this sort of like necessity thing. Um, cause we just like couldn't afford the bedding that either of us thought was pretty. Um, and then we made these quilts and I've kind of steadily made quilts since then. Um, but I started selling them in the last five years. Um, I think for a long time, it took me a long time to get to that point because I feel like, I felt like I didn't have the skill level to be making them to sell. Um, so I made a lot of really weird quilts for myself <laughs> <laughs> and for friends over the years. They're still out there. Um, yeah, and then in the last five years, I've been making quilts. Um, as, as more part of my uh, sustaining my life. And um, yeah, that's kind of my quilting journey. <laughs> um, thank you so much for sharing. I have a lot of questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love that this like quilting came into your life in all of these just like totally natural ways, like mm -hmm. noticing a quilt on your high school boyfriend's bed and like just needing blankets. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that the solution was to, to make them yourself. I feel like I was so intimidated by the idea of quilting and by my sewing machine. I have this sewing machine um, from my grandma that's really old and it's lovely and it feels like so beautiful now to be able to sew on her old machine um and she's still alive and everything and well and she's like thrilled about it yes. um but 
I was so intimidated by it and I couldn't even figure out how to do it on YouTube. And I was like, how do you, I had to like have my aunt teach me, like we did a quilting weekend and I had to have her teach me how to use the machine um, first and foremost and like quilting basics because it felt so intimidating and scary. So I love that you were just like, yeah, we're just going to make it. (laughs) My partner at the time, we had, um, we had decided that we were going to make all of our own clothes for Mm. a year. Um, this was like early in the days of like, like DIY repurposing clothing and also like blog time. So I, I feel like the idea of having like a prompt was really appealing. Um, and so we had amassed all of this fabric, like our friends and people we knew had like given us a ton of their old clothing to repurpose into clothing that we were going to wear. Um, and then we were like, that's way too hard like making all of your own clothes <laughs> immediate like all at once for a year <laughs> trying to like get leggings and I was like I I think that maybe we can't do this <laughs> um, but we had all this fabric and so um it kind of made sense to like make a quilt um and my partner at the time had a sewing machine and I couldn't figure it out like I'd only ever sewn on my mom's machine that was threaded this really specific way. And it that was in my brain and I couldn't thread this machine. So I was like, every time I wanted to sew, I would tie like new thread to the old thread and pull it through. <laughs> because I just like, my brain would not accept it. <laughs> yeah. But now I actually sew on um, a cousin of that machine. It's a Sears Kenmore from... 1978 and uh that's similar to mine now yeah yeah mine is from like the early 70s I think Mm -hmm. oh there she comes (laughs) yeah it's a great machine it's like a tank and um yeah it's really heavy yeah which I love because it'll just like blast through denim um which is great I had my grandmother's old machine that she gave me when she stopped sewing but she hated sewing Mm -hmm. um and it, I think it was haunted. Like I would just get so angry when I was sewing with it. And I was like, I feel like this machine is just like full of her anger. And uh, I gave it away. I was like, I can't use this. <laughs> yeah, that's so real. Well, I was wondering if you had like a family history of sewing and quilting. Did people in your family make quilts or were they more like sewing clothes? They're doing it all. Yeah, they're, my, um, my mom's grandmother, Lita, uh, she was a quilt maker and she made really beautiful, beautiful quilts. Um, and she supported herself by selling them in part, um, up until she died. I think when she died, the family like kind of scrambled to go get the quilts that she had up for sale around her town, um, Mm -hmm. uh, to keep them. So I have like a Dresden plate pillow that she made. Um, and it's meticulous. It's like so beautiful. Um, I think she might be the only quilt maker that I know of. Um, but I have a lot of, uh, you know, like most families, the women in my family worked in textiles and made things. And um, yeah, so that was always around. And my uh, my grandparents on my dad's side are ger- or were German and they were very serious about sort of maintaining their connection to their family in Germany and 
keeping the sort of family stories alive. Um, so textiles that came from the family were really prized. And um, I have a few things from like my Opa's mom um, and my, my Oma's dad dated someone who worked in a fabric store. So I have fabric from her store and they have all these like little touchstones uh, in textile form. That's so lovely. It is. It's really, really nice to have. It's <laughs> so nice. Mm-hmm. We, I feel like I have a lot of fabric touchstones from my aunt. And mm-hmm. like even this Christmas, she made me and my partner some potholders. We needed potholders. We have like a lot of little sewn things from her. And when I was a kid, I used to sew mostly my grandma did it but I was so with her <laughs> and we made these like pajama pants and stuff for me but all that stuff was like um I don't I it must have been given away or something it was when I was like seven yeah I love that you have all of these pieces and and touchstones around you mm-hmm. yeah it's nice it's nice to have that connection and yeah yeah well I'm curious you just mentioned how the pillow is meticulous and I'm like yes like that's my main problem in quilting but I'm like mine's kind of like wonky like is it fine and I think I'm like yeah it is fine but (laughs) I'm like a little bit um insecure about how my quilted things look in front of like my aunt who has like the perfect little shapes everything lines up exactly and has also been doing it for like a million years I've been doing it for like one year yeah Um, but yeah I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about that or quilting messily (laughs) I think you know a quilt only has to fit two purposes you know whatever you want it to do and however you want it to look and it doesn't it's not really up to like anybody else to determine those things I think so if you feel happy with it like there you go (laughs) and if you don't then you just know what you need to work on um but I think you know one of the things I love so much about quilts is that everybody's quilt looks like them even when people make quilts from kits like they make choices that reflect who they are and what they prefer. And I think that trying to standardize that is just not even worth it. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, that's the exciting part to me. Um, so I feel like I'll lean into different ways of making a quilt depending on what I want it to do. Like I have, I have one quilt that I made that's like hugely emotional. Um, it's made out of all of our old kitchen linens from the apartment we lived in first in Chicago. And it's like linen napkins and dish towels. And the kitchen was like the hub of our apartment. And we hosted a lot of dinners and parties there. And, um, everybody I love has used those napkins and they're destroyed. Like they're greasy to the touch and they have holes (laughs) and they're really stained. Um, And I would never make like a bed quilt out of them because you would put it through the wash and it would disintegrate. Um, But because I was making it to preserve them and to maintain this sort of connection to the space we don't have access to anymore, um, it didn't matter. And the fact that they're like stained and greasy is a part of the story and it goes on the wall where 
It will hopefully never need to be washed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I also love the sort of focus that you have on working with things that you have or that you thrift, like things that are recycled and around. And I didn't really no that was a thing I, that mm-hmm. sounds silly but I was like you have to buy the fabric at the fabric store right <laughs> um, so I really love that too yeah I love to think about quilts as like an archive mm-hmm. um and so I try to build my quilts that way where they like tell a story of place and connection um so I use a lot of fabrics that are sourced from people in my community or from my family or from in proximity to me. Um, and I feel like I'm just sort of creating these little archives of moments in my life. Um, and they might not be read by anybody, you know, <laughs> like I don't, that doesn't necessarily mean that people can look at the quilt and say like, Oh, that is from that. But we do that now with old quilts where you'll look at it and say like, Oh, this fabric was dyed this way. So it must've come from this time. And, if it was found in this place at this time, it probably traveled from here. And, you know, you can unpick those stories. And I like thinking about how I'm creating that for the future. Uh, should my quilts survive that long? Um, yeah. Which I think is why part of why it's so important to talk about like being queer alongside quilt making, because that story is a part of the archive that I'm creating with my quilts and the fabric that I use a lot of it comes from my queer community and um, I feel like I'm sort of like trying to take up space um, as a queer person in the creating of like quilt archives. Yeah I think I just finished my first quilt and I um, gifted it to a queer younger person in my life who I love so much who is not able to like be out or be in community and my partner and I before I wrapped it up for them we like did a little queer love spell over it (laughs) (laughs) really tried to infuse it with like all of this queer and trans love for them and I and they were so happy to receive it and I feel so happy thinking about them being wrapped in our love and this bigger like collective community love um in a time and space in their life where they don't really feel safe around those identities um so yeah I think I'm just starting to to realize in my newness to quilting how much that's part of it too yeah absolutely congratulations that's so exciting (laughs) (laughs) and that's like such an incredible gift to give somebody I know that like people don't always understand like the full weight of what goes into making a quilt um but it is just like such a generous gift and I love that you did that (laughs) I wasn't I was thinking about what I wanted to do with it and then I was just like that feels like the most, like, I was like, should I keep it? Cause it's my first one. It's special. And I was like, it is my first one and it's special. And I want it to, to go to this person. So. Yep. Yeah. I've done that with a couple of my older quilts where they feel like they almost have like, they're more steeped in, I'm not sure what, some sort of like magic. 
<laughs> um, I have one that I gave to a friend of mine and like, it's not the most perfect quilt I've ever made, but it was the winter quilt from the first two that I made. And I was like, I feel like you need a little extra boost. And this is pretty steeped in love and time and proximity to me who you love. So here you go. <laughs> Let the imperfection of this quilt be a reminder that like messiness can be beautiful, like we're all in process. You know, we can take it. It's beautiful. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I also think I know that you talk about like doing this like women's work in quotes through a queer and non-binary lens. And I think it was so interesting for me to think about how my relationship to women's work has changed since like processing my sexuality and figuring it out. I think my family has been shocked (laughs) to learn now that I'm like, like to cook and and doing quilting and sewing and stuff because I was so like full rejection of any like feminine things when I was like, you know, closeted and all of that. And I think there was something about that, like understanding myself that gave me the freedom to be like, oh, I can do this work. And it doesn't mean that I'm like performing womanhood or heterosexuality. Like it's like for me and I feel like free to do it in a way. And quilting is just like one example, but I feel free to do it in a way I didn't before. Does that make sense? I get your thoughts about like how you, yeah, what that means to you. Absolutely. I'm always sort of asking myself, the question of like, what does it mean to choose domestic pleasure? Like, mm. you know, it's not something that has been forced on me. Um, I mean, you know, I've always lived in a home. And so I've always had to do dishes until recently. Tammy does most of our dishes, which is a oh, huge nice. gift. <laughs> we have a dishwasher in our new house and I'm just like, this is the best thing ever. This is living. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, you know, I've always really loved um being home and like making a home and making things that go in the home and rearranging my home and taking care of it and taking care of my things like I just I love things and um living with them um and it's it's definitely different you know when you're you're in a queer relationship and there isn't that sort of like heteronormative breakdown I mean we all have like internalized heteronormativity I think for in our household it kind of sometimes comes out as both of us being like I shouldn't have to do that (laughs) 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 you know I've I've done my housework for the day and then it's like oh (laughs) there's no uh man here to blame for (laughs) how much laundry I had to do (laughs) yeah Um, (laughs) But yeah, I that's always been a realm that I've like really happily inhabited. Um, so for me, it's like a joyful thing. And I like to come at it and think about it from that. Like, you know, this is the space that I inhabit. How can I make it be the way that I want it to be um, in ways as small as like, what color do I want the pillows to be? And then ways as big as like, how do I want to engage with people in my space and how do I want them to feel when they step into it? And how do I want to feel in it? 
and how can I affect that and how can I control that and you know as far insofar as you can control those things um and it, I really love it <laughs> you. yeah I like never let myself love it before but I'm like no, I actually love hanging up the art on the walls and I love thinking about how to make this space beautiful and I love cooking my partner dinner and I would like die before yeah. I would like do domestic labor for like my sis had boyfriends back in the day, but now I'm like, please let me cook you yeah. a yummy meal because it is truly joyful for me. Like I want to, it feels good. It's fun. Yeah. Absolutely. I think sometimes the work gets blamed for the unfairness of, you know, heteronormative homemaking. <laughs> um, but it's like, well, you know, if you take that out, there's still the dishes and there's still laundry. So how can you find pleasure in that and in caring for things? Yeah. And tending. Like I the word tending feels so good and warm and true. And like it is like attending to the space where we live, like a practice of gratitude and care for the people who live here and who will come and spend time here, like tending to everyone. Yeah. 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 And I love so much like going into my friends' homes and seeing their them reflected in how they make their space. Like it's just such a nice thing to be inside of somebody's space and be like oh like I'm surrounded by you and <laughs> I love it <laughs> that too yeah it's so lovely yeah <laughs> yeah well I think coming back to something you said before I'm interested in your connection to your like German-American ancestry, and um, I know you've written about this too, and I have, I'm mainly like English and German ancestors, but like from a really long time ago, like everybody's just like white American, <laughs> the white bread situation now, um, so I feel like pretty disconnected from those parts of the South and history, but yeah, I would love to hear more about how you connect to to that ancestry and your ancestors through like quilting through whatever um it is that you do yeah so I I, I feel pretty lucky that I um got access to as much family history as I did because my um my grandparents on my dad's side were German um and my opa was the youngest in his family and his mom really shared the family history with him um, in a way that traditionally I think was sort of handed down from woman to woman, um, at least from what he's told me in our family. Um, but he is, he was like a really quiet, gentle guy and he loved that kind of stuff. Um so he really like carried that into the next generations, um, which I loved. <laughs> I just really, I really benefited from that. And um, I was really close with him. So I received a lot of those stories and spent a lot of time with him while he was cooking and while he was painting and um, just sort of absorbing the way that he was in 
relation with the world um, and learning like why, where that came from and what my connection to that was. Um, so I have a very strong connection to that um, in part because they lived an hour away from us. Um, they immigrated to the U S when they were in their tw early twenties and um, we saw them when I was very little, like every weekend and then um, like every month as I got older and I just spent a lot of time with them. <laughs> um, but I very much feel that I'm German American and not, um, you know, when I go to Germany, it's very clear that I grew up American and um, my relationship with German culture has been translated by my grandparents and by my dad. Um, and it's not quite the same as what it feels like there. Um, but I do feel at home there. So I think for me, it's been sort of this lifelong lesson of what it's like to be at home in multiple places. Um, we, we lived there, we lived in Germany when I was a little kid. So I, I have like lived there and <laughs> experienced life there. Um, but it's, you know, it's interesting. I go there and I feel very American um, just in, and it, it's funny because being here in the U S I don't, you don't always think about like American culture, like what is American culture um, as an overall, like overarching thing. And then in going to Germany, it's like, Oh, now I know. <laughs> I see. <laughs> and it is in me. <laughs> it's in me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think there is just like, or I've felt anyways, this lack of cultural experience. And I think when I think when you say like, what's the culture? I'm like, I feel like the culture of America is like Christianity and capitalism. It's like not cultures that I like am yeah interested in carrying forward or identifying with like I don't share values with those cultures um so yeah it is kind of interesting and also feels a little sad how we have to like make our own yeah spaces and places of belonging and cultures and communities and also that's beautiful and I think that you know I think that we have a really strong story of what what is American and it's really limited. And I think it doesn't really reflect the actual population living on this continent. You know, it's like, uh, I, I think something that I've been exploring lately is the idea that we create the culture, you know, we are living, breathing creators of culture. And in the future, people will look back and, look at the things that we were doing and say like, that's what it was then. Um, and I think that part of my work is trying to empower people to feel like they are creators of culture and like queer culture is a part of American culture. You know, the, the ways that we approach things are their own thing, but are also a part of this bigger thing. Um, you know, just like the language of consent. Like I think that queerness, at least in within my my queer community, like consent is a a major conversation um, 
about all kinds of things. And I think that we bring that idea then to the ways that we interact with the world. And that's how we create culture and how we communicate our culture to others. Um, And I think that's really important because clearly the overarching story is not serving us, you know, um, most of us, I think. Uh, And I think it's up to us to change that story and share additional voices. And I don't think it has to be this like radically new thing. Like that's why I work in quilt making. This is like an old American way of telling stories. And I am just another American person, you know, trying to tell my story. Um, And I'm going to do it with this traditional medium because people know how to read it. Yeah. And you're also telling stories and creating culture and your writing too. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear more about your writing practice, your writing process, what writing means to you. Yeah. Those things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like casual question once I <laughs> Yeah. It's funny because I, I think writing has always been a part of my practice, but it's always felt kind of private. Um, like I write a lot. I like I take a lot of notes. Like I'll have life notes all the time. And uh I'll write out ideas and um yeah, I just I'm like a person who has a lot of stacks of paper <laughs> full of my own handwriting. Um, but sharing it publicly is definitely new and it's really nerve-wracking. Um, but it also feels really exciting. Uh and it's it's been really fun. Um, and I think that that's, you know, when I talk about people reading quilts, you know, when you write with words, it's definitely a lot easier to get a specific idea across. (laughs) 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 styles. You're kind of up for interpretation. Which I love. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But like when I want to say something really specific, um, words are great for that. And, uh, I've been trying to lean into that a little bit more. Um, so I have this newsletter that I've been writing that I think you read. <laughs> and, uh, and I love it and I would recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when I write that, I I just always picture that I'm writing it to, um, like I have a handful of five friends who I know read it and who I love very much. And um, I just pretend that I'm writing to one or all of them. Um And that, you know, keeps me humble because they know me. (laughs) I can't really like put on airs. Um, (laughs) But it also like means that I'm coming at it from a place of love. And I think that that's when the best work comes out. Um, So that's been a really like coming at it, approaching it that way has made it a really joyful part of my work. Um, Because it's kind of like I'm just writing these love notes to my five favorite people. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I am also a person who has a lot of scribblies. Um, (laughs) They're like in my journal and on my phone. I think I'm always... I always forget, but then like every time, like clockwork, when I just like 
take a walk alone outside, I'm like write half a chapter of my novel on my phone because I'm like, oh, the idea is here right now. I need to like, yeah. to like text it to myself. <laughs> it's, like, it's like being in these like really intentional ways. And then also like sometimes it just like hits when you're out and paying attention and noticing. And I think that's what I love about writing or one of the many things is just like we get to really notice and pay attention to the world and talk about it and tell stories. But a lot of it is like, we can't tell these stories without paying attention to the the world around us, just like the sounds and the smells. And it's, it's really beautiful. It's like such mm-hmm. a drop into, into being more present. For me. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think I kind of come to that from like a science perspective <laughs> like I, <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm thinking about that in part because uh I was just visiting my friend John who was my biology teacher in high school and um and we've become good friends in my adulthood and uh he really taught me to like pay attention you know we, we'd be out in the woods and he'd be like saying all the things he was hearing and mm. um I feel like I sort of took that those skills into all aspects of my life and it's helped me survive living in cities <laughs> um yeah it's also definitely like creates some good writing fodder because there's so much to see I mean we're just like surrounded by exciting things all the time yeah, <laughs> <We really are. laughs> yeah. um that's really lovely I think poetry really taught me how to listen and notice and pay attention. And I think mm-hmm. I've been a poet before I've been any other kind of writer um, since childhood. And mm-hmm. it's so fun. Like, <laughs> you know, poetry is always like the way that you talk about something and get to the heart of something is by talking about something else and (laughs) I think that's so beautiful like of course the only way to talk about love is to talk about flowers and oceans and trees and clouds and whatever you know right this feels so true um and reminds me of how you said you know you're telling stories with these quilts and that feels like poetry too it's like you're you're telling stories that are less clear but in a way, like things are, some things are just impossible to communicate with those exact words that you want to say. And you can't really, some things are better captured in like a visual or um, a visual you create with the words that makes an image. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that. I always wonder, you know, for me, like textiles have such like a strong language, like different, different colors and different textures and, um, even different weights of fabric, like they all create this sort of like tapestry of emotion um, for me. But I always wonder, like, is that completely different for the, the person that I hand the quilt to? You know, <laughs> like it's yeah. always, and you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know that we can know. But it's it's funny how we have these like sort of like internal languages about the things that we see and feel and the way that different things together make us feel. Um, And that's like what I go on when I'm making a quilt every time. It's just like how it feels. Um, But I have no idea how much that's conveyed. I mean, I think there are some standards, some things that like come through for sure. 
Um, but I don't know that, you know, the person I'm handing the quilt to is going to feel the same mix of emotions. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I think that's okay. I think I really like that. I really yeah. like that one thing can mean different things to so many different people and evoke different feelings. And I think it feels so alive and just like a really cool thing about making art. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I made this um, diptych of two small wall quilts uh, that I finished last year in January. And for me, they felt, I, I felt very like artsy about them. Like I was like, oh, like I feel like I really like composed some beautiful works of art here. And I was feeling very like kind of self-important about them. Um, and then the, the, the person who bought them, bought them to celebrate, like the person who bought them, bought them for all of these personal reasons that really resonated with the quilts for them. Mm-hmm. And it gave them all of this new meaning. Like, I feel like they were sort of like waiting for that to come to them. Cause I was just like, oh, they're beautiful. And then this person was like, you know, they represent for me this level of accomplishment in my life that I have to celebrate because I'm queer and the other people in my life are celebrating these sort of normal, normalized like markers. And I'm not going to hit those because my life looks different. So I'm going to buy these quilts and celebrate that I work this job that I'm really proud of and that I'm turning 30 and I'm really proud of that. And and it was so exciting to me because I was like, oh, they just needed that. Like, you know, these quilts are a canvas for those feelings for you. And I love them so much more now because they brought this person into my life that I'm just like, oh, <laughs> that was a gift. Like, you know, it goes both ways. Yeah. What a gift for everyone involved. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I want to ask you the last question that I always ask on this show, um, (laughs) which is just what does living open mean to you? What comes up when you hear that? I thought about this before. (laughs) (laughs) Before we got. Yeah, it's not a secret. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not totally sure. I think that. Um, I don't know. I think it's something that I hope for everybody, you know, and it's something that I try to do and that I feel incredibly privileged to have the ability to do through my community, through the places that I live. It's possible for me to be out as queer, to be an artist and be appreciated and to walk through the world the way that in a way that feels authentic and good to me and I think that's what I wish for everybody and that's sort of like what I work towards in in my life is is that feeling of openness for all people yeah I love that thank you thank you um, can you tell people where they can find your quilts and your Substack and anything else that you want to, to let folks know? Yeah, you can find my quilts on my website, which is 
gracerother.com. And <laughs> you could find my sub my Substack is linked there as well um, under the newsletter button. Um, but my Substack is Grace Rother's newsletter. Um, and my Instagram is grace.rother. <laughs> If you write my name down, you can find me. <laughs> Incredible. We love it when you make it easy. <laughs> yep. It's just like not, not using creativity to figure out how to. Okay. It's simple. It's clean. It's clear. Love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, please do tap five stars and leave us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I appreciate it so, so much. And it's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show, with an indie podcast. You can check out all the links mentioned in this episode in the description, and I'll be back on Monday with another episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it and stay in touch on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore or Patreon until then.